Well, Feliz Navidad, everybody. Feliz Navidad. Good morning, good morning. Uh, man, it is so good to be with you. My name is Misael Gonzalez, so if you're new, I am one of the pastors here, and welcome to First Baptist. Uh, you know, most of my time is spent on our Tulsa location, but I have to tell you that I love you guys so much. Like, you guys blessed my life, you blessed my family, you blessed our church, and so I'm just so thankful to be with you and to just hang out. Can we just hang out this morning? I think it's kind of cool. And so as we're here, I just want to let you know that you might want to be praying for Chris Wall. Like usually in Tulsa, I preach one service in English and then one service in Spanish. And so I promised I'd preach twice in English here, but he's going to have to preach one time in Spanish. And so around 1230, when you're eating lunch, that's when he'll be preaching in Spanish. And so pray for him. We all know he needs it with that Spanish. Uh, so uh, I didn't say that. You said that. Okay. You said that. Uh, but I am really, really thankful. Uh, the Lord has just been so good to, to me to be part of a church that really knows that they need to live on mission here, there, and everywhere. And so I'm just really thankful. And uh, we are in this Christmas season. We can't deny it. The Christmas sweaters are out. The Christmas colors are out. You know what else? All the Christmas parties. Like, I don't know how many Christmas parties you've been to already. I've been to like four or five. Uh, and so you might be going to 10 later. I don't even know. But I do want to share with you a uh, Christmas gift that I got during this one game called White Elephant. Anybody know that game? Yeah, yeah, okay. So in my very first Christmas party, um, I was there just hanging out. I brought my little gift and everyone brought theirs. And I'm going to show you the gift that I ended up with. And here's the thing, you can laugh because I asked myself, huh, of course, of course the Mexican would get this. And so uh, let me just kind of show that to you. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? And so I, I took this out uh, last Sunday in Tulsa, and I said, you know what? We're going to start a new Christmas tradition. Every time it's Christmas, I'm going to bring this guy on stage, and I'm going to say, you know what? It's Christmas time. And, I, or, and, and then they maybe can come up with me, you know? Who wants to dance with me? Yeah. And I just love it. It's like, okay, so I'm just going to leave it there throughout the whole sermon, and we'll just like... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll let you know. Anybody like that? Anybody like that? I oh, know. Just great. I love it. That's, that's my little guy, and so I'll just, I'll just leave it there for now. I do want to take it out later, but see. Uh, but yeah, I love Christmas. I hope you guys are enjoying Christmas as well. And so I just wanted to have a little bit of fun with you guys and just show you that. Uh, but we are going to continue in our series called Remind Me. And so as we enter Christmas, we're going to do something that we always do as a church. And that's to remind us that God incarnate came to earth. That Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, came to us through a virgin. This whole miraculous thing. But just as something for us to focus on, my heart and my prayer and our church's prayer and our pastor's prayer is that you would have this one phrase on your mind as we go through this series. And maybe as you go through this Christmas season, this one phrase is this, Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me that you are good. Lord, remind me that you are kind. Lord, remind me that you are present. Lord, remind me that you are so incredible and majestic, that you are holy. Lord, remind me that you're in control, even though I see this tornado rip through our states. Lord, remind me of your sovereignty. Lord, remind me of who you have promised to be and what you have promised to do. Lord, remind me. And that's the phrase I hope that we just come away with in this whole series, because... As human beings, I think that's a phrase we always need in our hearts and our minds. Lord, remind me. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. 
So I want to go ahead and ask you to turn there with me. Luke chapter 2. And as you get there, I want to give you just a little bit of context because we're going to start reading in verse 8. But I do want to let you know what's happening between verse 1 and verse 7. And so we have this moment where Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And, and what's happening is that they're in Nazareth. And all of a sudden, Joseph gets this phone call. I'm just kidding, they have phones. But he gets this call saying, hey, Caesar Augustus says that you have to go to Bethlehem for the census. Now, a census, just to make sure we're all on the same page, a census is practically a count of everybody who's in a specific area. That's what a census is. And so they actually have to travel from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem. And again, Mary is pregnant in all of this. And, and look, I can't tell you how many months and how many days and how many hours she was pregnant. But let me just tell you this. She was really, really pregnant. Okay, because she gets to Bethlehem and they weren't there that long. And then she has Jesus. So I want to point to you. Uh, Verse 7, if you're there in chapter 2, verse 7 says this, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. So this is what's happening. Now they're in Bethlehem. Jesus is born. And I just want to picture this. Like, like picture this as if maybe you're making a movie or maybe if I was a director of a movie. And in this movie, Jesus was born. What was the next thing that I would do? I would probably zoom in to the face of Mary or zoom in to the face of Joseph to see their glowing face and just like have them hold baby Jesus and be like, wow, this is amazing. But that's not what Luke does. Instead of zooming into the face of Joseph and Mary, he like zooms out, turns the camera, and then zooms into these shepherds. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. That's not exactly what I would do, but okay. But what we're going to see is that God did something unexpected and Luke shows us something unexpected, that in this moment, he's revealing himself to these outcasts. In this moment, he's revealing himself to these shepherds. He's revealing himself to these people that had no idea what was happening. And that's the type of God that we serve. And so we're going to be looking at this together of saying, okay, Lord, like, why would you zoom out of that moment and show us what you did with the shepherds? And so we're going to see what happens uh, here in verse 8. So let's go ahead and stand up together. And we're going to start reading in verse 8. And we'll read all the way to verse 20. So verse 8 begins like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Then the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
This is the word of the Lord, and praise be to God. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at this passage, uh, there's just one main idea I'm going to continue to point back to time and time again. And this kind of main idea, I hope, is a kind of main idea that you can, like, talk about when you eat lunch, when you're just sitting there and your mom or your dad or your grandparents or your friends, they ask you, hey, what did you learn at church today? Here's a phrase that you can say. And here's the phrase. God's perfect timing. God's perfect timing. That's the one thing I just want us to continue to focus on uh, throughout this whole thing. And so just to illustrate this, I want to make sure we're on the same page. Because God does have perfect timing, and that is our main idea. But let me just kind of paint this picture for you. So it is Christmas time, and there's something about Christmas time that I absolutely love in my family, and that is that we make tamales. Anybody love tamales in here? Yeah, your hand better be raised. Tamales are awesome, okay? Better be raised. And so there's something about tamales that maybe you don't know, but it's a three to five day process. Like it's the kind of process where the whole family is involved. So I'm the oldest of seven and I'm telling you, we have this ginormous bowl and it's the kind of work that it's like, you're having to like do this thing with the masa and like I get done, I'm like, hey, Caleb, come on. And then Caleb comes, he's like, hey, Hasiel, come on. And it's like a whole teamwork kind of thing. Because of tamales, there's this process you have to do. And so I don't know if you ever cooked tamales in your home. You have to use this ginormous pot. And so you get all these tamales, you, you make them, you put them in there, and you start cooking it. But the thing about tamales is that there's this perfect time for it to be cooked. Okay? Because if you cook it too, uh, uh, too long or if you cook it too short, it's not going to be good at all. So here's what happens. If you leave the tamales there and it's starting to cook and you start smelling it in the house... And you're like, ooh, that smells really good. And you try to go early and get the tamal before it's fully cooked. It's going to be soggy. It's going to be mushy. And it's not going to be good. And you're going to have that face that's like, mm, no bueno. No bueno. <laughs> or if you have it there and it's cooking and you are patient, but then you get distracted and the tamales, they're too long, it gets super dry. And then you eat it and it's like, Yeah, that's not a real tamal. Oh, man. Oh, man. And that's just what's interesting as we look at this whole example of the tamal is if we're impatient and we try to get it before it's ready, it's mushy, it's gross. If we get distracted and we do something else with the kids or whatever, it gets super dry. And I'm just going to bring that back to our life. And sometimes we want to take the tamal out way too early. Or sometimes we get distracted and we leave the tamal in there too long and it's dry. You see, the Christmas promise is Jesus himself. But if we really see Jesus in the depth and the richness of all of that, we're going to see that the Christmas promise is also God's perfect timing to bring exactly what humanity needed at the exact time that humanity needed it. That it was his promise of his perfect timing. And you see, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says that it was the perfect time, the fullness of time, in which Jesus came, that he was sent, that he was born. And that's what we're going to see even in this passage, that it was the perfect timing for all of that. And so maybe this morning you are someone who says, you know what, Misael, I'm really not looking for Jesus. I'm just kind of here. Or maybe you're in here and saying, man, Misael, I really haven't been seeking Jesus as my wonderful counselor, my everlasting father, my prince of peace, my mighty God. I really haven't been looking for that. Or maybe this morning you just have no idea who Jesus is. You've never heard about him. I mean, my my prayer and my hope is that this morning you would walk out of here and you say, Jesus is my Christmas promise. 
And Lord, would you remind me of that in every step that I take, that your timing is perfect. And so as we walk through this passage together, I'm going to highlight some explanation points for us. And so here's the first explanation point for us, and it comes from verses 8 to 14. This is it. The promise revealed. The promise revealed. That's what we see from verses 8 to 14. And as we read it, and as you even just look at it one more time with me, you see here that you have this promise that's revealed to these shepherds. Look, these shepherds, they had no idea what was going on. Like, they were just minding their business out in the field, out in the dark, and all of a sudden these angels come, the presence of the Lord comes, and it's just right in front of them. And I just asked myself, I said, Lord, why would you do that? Uh, like, what is the reason why you would zoom out of the faces, these maybe uh, these glowing faces of, of, of Mary and Joseph, and zoom in to, like, the gloomy faces of the shepherds? Well, here's what we see throughout all of Luke. Luke always points us that Jesus came for the least, the last, and the lost. Jesus came for the least, the last, and the lost. And when we look at the shepherds, those three words encompass exactly who the shepherds are. These shepherds are, in a sense, considered outcasts and sinners. I mean, I can even imagine these shepherds even feeling lonely because they were out there either by themselves or just one or two or three just tending to the sheep. And so they're just these lonely shepherds. They had this job that was considered like a low occupation. Like nobody wanted to be a shepherd in this time. And so there this moment where it's like, man, it's almost as if heaven and light pierced into the darkest of places, pierced into the darkest people, and said, here I am, I am revealed to you. And so in all of this, I just hope you see that the Lord revealed himself to these people, to this group of people that were not even looking for him. And you see, that might even be your story. Your story might be, Misael, you know, I was just walking in my life, doing whatever I was doing, minding my own business. And then Jesus revealed himself to me. Maybe that's your story. But I'll be honest, I think for all of us, that is our story. Because all of us were born with this human nature where we don't want to choose God. We don't want to see God. We're all like these people, and Jesus himself revealed himself to all humanity, saying, I am Savior, I am Lord, I am King, I am your biggest treasure. And so I think all of our stories are like this, that Jesus revealed himself in the most timely manner possible. And I want to make sure that we're all on the same page on this as well. Uh, Maybe many of you have heard the word gospel, and you have no idea what that means. The word gospel here, you can actually see in verses 9 and 10, the word gospel is good news. This good news of Jesus, this good news that we uh, have a way to the Father. And so this good news, this gospel came for great joy of all the people. And then I want you to read verse 11 one more time with me. Verse 11 says this, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. You see here that a Savior was born. And you see, a Savior had to be born because we as human beings needed saving. We needed saving. And it's so prideful of us. Let's just be honest. It's so prideful of us to say, yeah, I don't need saving. That's just so prideful. It's so foolish of us to think, you know what? I can outsmart God. I can outwork God. That is so foolish of us to think of. It's so silly of us to think that we can do anything that is bigger and greater than God. And as we look at this and as we think about this, I hope you realize that Jesus didn't come on accident. 
It wasn't like, oops, I'm here, okay. But it was on purpose. There was a timely plan, a timely purpose, a perfect plan, a perfect purpose. And he didn't come on accident, and our salvation didn't come on accident. And I just want to remind you this morning, if you're a disciple of Jesus, your salvation was not an accident. You coming to know the Lord as Jesus Christ, as Savior of the world, as the one who's given you eternal life, is not an accident. Not at all. And this Jesus that we see in this manger, this Jesus that they saw, this, this little baby, is the same Jesus who is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. Because one day, he was going to be the one who would die for us and be raised in glory and be raised to have all the authority over all things like Philippians 2 says. Verses 9 and 11 say that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. Every single person. This is the same Jesus. And I, I feel like I just have to say this, that I hope you realize and recognize that there has never, ever, ever, ever been a time that Jesus did not exist. He has always existed. Jesus has been, is, and will forever be the second person of the Trinity, the one who, who made himself man for us while still being fully God. This is the Jesus that they saw in the manger. And I wrote this, and I just want to make sure I say it right, so I'm going to read it to you. So I say this. To be the redeemer of humanity, Jesus needed to identify himself with humanity and at the same time transcend humanity itself. That's who Jesus is. Because Jesus is our Christ, our Messiah, our Lord, man, we can now have an everlasting father. I hope you guys remember that from last week, that, that we do have an everlasting father in Christ. And you see, I don't know how many of you maybe have divorced parents I don't know how many of you maybe have this really bad relationship with your father, a bad experience with your father. I'll be the first one to tell you that my dad and my mom divorced when I was five. And so I get that. And so here's what I want you to think of. I want you to think of the person to your right and the person to your left. And imagine if they knew every thought that you've ever thought. Imagine that they knew every aspect of your heart, like the deepest, darkest parts of it the parts that make you just so joyful, the parts that make you so happy, that they know every single aspect of it. And as you think about that, I don't know if it encourages you or scares you. I'm not sure which one you are. But I know this for a fact, that you are scared to death that if they knew everything about you, they would leave. And you see, God is our everlasting Father, and He knows every single aspect of your heart, every thought you've ever thought, and He wants to stay. And he will never leave. And not, not only does he want to stay, but he wants to reveal himself in such a way to you. He wants to open himself in such a way to you so, so he can say, look at me. Like I want you to live a life in such a way that you are connected with me, not, not disconnected. Connected in such a way that you have life. Connected in such a way that you have peace. Connected in such a way that you know you have a mighty God by your side and a mighty God in you because of the Holy Spirit. He has revealed himself to us. And, and I know that we live in these moments and we live a life that maybe we are trying so hard to say, Lord, I want to be connected to you, but I just don't feel you. Lord, I'm trying my best to just like sit here and just like listen to your small, still voice, but it just seems like you're hiding me. Here's what we see in the scripture is that we don't serve a God who hides. We don't serve a God who hides himself from his creation who hides himself from his children. 
We serve a God who time and time again reveals himself. So please hear me. Don't mistake God's timing for God hiding. Please do not. Because God does not hide from us. He reveals himself. He is the promise revealed. And I'm just so grateful because God does not owe that to me. He's already revealed himself in creation. And so to have him reveal himself in just special and intimate ways is amazing. And I don't know if you remember last week, we talked about how Jesus is a wonderful counselor. You see, that aspect of Jesus revealing himself as a wonderful counselor is so personal to me. It's so personal to me because a couple weeks ago, um, I was driving to Oklahoma City because our senior pastor, Chris Wall, was going to be named El Presidente of the Oklahoma Baptist Convention. And so if you see him, will you please call him El Presidente for me? That'd be, that'd be amazing. I want everybody to call him that. So please text him. Hey, El Presidente. But I was driving to Oklahoma City, and it was about uh, 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And so, you know, I'm driving. And uh, all of a sudden, I get this phone call from one of our newest church members in Tulsa. And she only speaks Spanish. And so she calls me, and, and she's like, hey, Misael, and begins to tell me, that her ex-husband in Mexico uh, had just died and that she needed help to tell her kids, hey, your, your father just died. And so I'm driving to Oklahoma City and I'm like, yeah, like, when do you want to do that? Um, you know, do you want to do it tomorrow? Do you want to do it next week? And she's like, hey, actually, can we do it tonight? And I said, yes, yes, we can. Yes, we can. And I turn back around and drive another hour to her apartment. And so she sends me her address and and so the whole time driving there, I was just praying. I said, Lord, will you help me? I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, you're a better counselor than I am. Uh, Lord, I, I have no words. So just like help me when I get there. And so, and so I get there and I get in the apartment and I'm just thinking, friends, family, I'm just thinking, okay, it's just going to be her and these three children. I walk in and it was like this whole family. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. And so I'm walking around, I'm saying hello, and, and so I sit down, and as I sit down, I, I look, I look at her, at our church member, and she just gives me one of these. And I say, oh, you want me to say something? You want me to tell them? Okay, give me a second. Let me collect my thoughts. I'll get there. So I'm sitting there, and, and I go, okay, how many of you speak English? And some of them raise their hand. I said, okay. How many of you speak Spanish? And some of them raise their hand. And so this entire time, I had to tell the whole family and counsel and translate this whole thing in English and in Spanish. But the whole time I'm doing that, I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm, be I'm beginning to see the Lord work in them and work through me. And the Lord fulfills his promises of being the wonderful counselor for them. Because it's through some of the questions that God was just giving me that I just never thought of before in my life that I saw them absolutely break. But at the same time, I saw absolute healing in that family. And so I left there and I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you were so kind to reveal yourself to me and to that family of being a wonderful counselor in their life. And so I'm just so thankful for the Lord that he does that. And so we've seen in these little verses that we have this promise revealed. And so the next thing I want to show you that comes from verses 15 to 20 is the promise revered. The promise revered. I want to read this again for you. Verses 15 to 20, it says this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so as we look at all of this, the reason I say the promise revered is because this word revered is a, is a word that shows trust, honor, respect, admiration, value. And so what happens is that the Lord comes, he says, hey, I'm revealing myself to you. Now go over here because you're going to find King Jesus. And so what they do is they leave everything. They leave the sheep. And I don't know if they left them with someone else or just there by themselves, but they leave their livelihood and they go and they find Jesus. And as we see what happens, after the shepherds go and they, and they see baby Jesus, it's almost like the shepherds become the very first evangelists. And now I don't know if they really were, but when you see what happens, they see it and they go, okay, I need to tell everybody about this. So they go and proclaim it to other people. So I would dare say they are some of the first evangelists to say, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. Man, I don't know, God, God just revealed himself to me. Just look at Jesus. Because what they saw in that manger was not just a baby. They saw the Savior of the world. They saw this, this incredible Lord, this incredible Messiah. It says that he was the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah. And what they understood when they looked at this baby is that this wasn't just a baby or a person that had the power of God. He was and is the power of God. That is who Jesus is. That's what they saw. They saw him and and I can just imagine, maybe they weren't thinking this, but I could just imagine looking at Jesus and saying, man, you are where our power comes from. You are where our strength comes from. You are where our eternity comes from. You are that Jesus. And there is just so much going on. I don't blame Mary. Mary was here just taking it all in. In verse 19, it says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And so as we look at all of this, I have been trying my best to just make it personal for us, make it personal, sharing some stories. But here's the big takeaway I want for us to, to have this morning. The big takeaway is this, is that we need to rejoice in God's timing. We need to rejoice in God's timing because God's timing is perfect and he has revealed himself to us in such a perfect and personal way. And so we have to rejoice in that. And... Uh, what I like to do is I just like to illustrate this for you, and I'm going to use my handy-dandy dog within this, in this little bag. So I hope you can see that. You see, so many of us, I think, have this calling in our life or maybe feel this thing in our life. I think maybe so many of us are saying, Misaid, like, I know I'm called to this. I know God is guiding me to this or this situation or this job or this whatever it may be. The Lord is telling me to go here, to be there. That's what the Lord is telling me. But you see, you're not there. You're actually over here. And so you know the Lord has asked you to be there, but he's asked you to kind of walk. And instead of us rejoicing in the Lord, what we do is we walk in frustration we walk saying, Lord, I don't know if I can trust you. You walk saying, Lord, man, like I just, I'm not remembering your promises. And we walk in all these things other than joy. You see, part of God's calling in our life is not just being there. Part of God's calling in our life is getting there as well. 
and rejoicing as we get there. And, and look, I don't know what that may be for you, but let's rejoice as we get there. Because if we think of Jesus, Jesus didn't come as a 30 or 33-year-old man. Jesus came as a baby, understanding his calling, what he came to earth for. But as he grew, he rejoiced in the Lord. He rejoiced saying, I'm going to rejoice in every step that I take. You see, we look at the shepherds. The shepherds, man, the Lord revealed himself to them, and they weren't just poofed over to the manger. The shepherds were in the darkness. They're over here. And I said, okay, as we get there, as we get to the manger, as we get to uh, Jesus, we're going to rejoice every step of the way. Because part of God's calling is, is not just being there, it's getting there. And look, as we get there, let's be honest as humans here, as we get there, we like to ask the question, why? God, why? Why this? Why that? Why you? Why me? Why her? Why, 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 why? Can I just tell you something? This is what the Lord revealed to me, and I'm continuing to just think about it. We need God's grace more than we need an answer to our why. If God is really an everlasting father and a good father, sometimes a good father just says, do it because I said so. I'm the everlasting father. You need my grace more than you need an answer to your why. Why? <laughs> because God is our answer. God is our saving grace. And that's what this passage points us to. They're saying, Lord, you are a treasure. You are my treasure. I need you more than anything. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. I need your grace. So let's go ahead and pray together. Lord, in this moment, we, we come before you, first of all, just so joyful. Joyful, Lord, that we know that our time on earth is, is not very long. And we know that one day we will be in your perfect presence. But right now, Lord, we are walking in this journey. And Lord, we're just trying to get there. Lord, you have called us to certain things. And Lord, we're, just, we're walking in obedience trying to get there. And Lord, I pray that my family, my friends here would know and understand that they are to rejoice in you, rejoice in your grace, rejoice in their Savior, remembering who you are and what you've done, the promises that you keep. Lord, I thank you so much that you are so trustworthy. Thank you so much that you have revealed yourself in creation, that you revealed yourself in your word. And you revealed yourself to us in such a personal way. Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here this, this morning who came in not even knowing what has happened, that they would recognize that Jesus came to be their king, their Lord, their savior. That you would break down their pride of saying, hey, I don't need a savior, but they do. Lord, I pray that you would break down the pride of a believer in here, a disciple in here, who maybe hasn't rejoiced in the journey, who maybe hasn't been seeking you as their wonderful counselor, their mighty God, their Prince of Peace. Lord, forgive us for the moments that we have confused your timing with you hiding. 
So God, we praise you that you're not a God who hides, but a God who in his perfect timing reveals himself to us. So Lord, we trust in your perfect timing. We really do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.